and I grew up in a very small town. My parents, my mom made a decision for Christ, and I led her to the Lord when I was young in Christ, and in age too, younger. But I came into this country, and I found so many opportunities. But the biggest one I found was Christ. The opportunity of a change, and that has captivated my life and my heart. And I am more in love with Christ than anybody else, and my wife knows that. So do my daughters. I often have the uh, tendency to speak about how evil and how bad we are because that is just the reality of mankind. There's nothing good to speak about us if it wasn't for Christ himself. But let me tell you something this morning. Uh, I want to tell you that you are important to God. And even though we are as... You want to put it there. You see, we see people on TV, especially what happened in Sacramento uh, this past weekend. And we see atrocities. We see bad things going on. And we see bad people around us. And just so you know, it's not going to get any better. Society will will go worse, will decay and until we see Christ coming back. So, it's going to get worse before it gets any better. However... In the process, God is still reaching out to people and is still picking up people from the dirt, cleaning them them up and sending them to, to walk and make a difference. So you are important to God. I am important to God. Definitely we are. God sent His own Son to die on the cross for us. So we must be important to Him. That He wanted to have a relationship with us. So God gave us an opportunity through Christ. And it is amazing when we speak about God... Uh, Romans chapter 1 I was preaching last time I preached for you guys based on Romans chapter 1 and I was saying right a reprobate mind that there's nothing good in us that we knew about God and that we rejected Him willingly Uh, we decided just to go the opposite way and we do that often whether we're believers or not Christians do the wrong thing many times we choose the wrong path, and we know that it's wrong. And I was having a conversation with a group of men from my church. We gather every Sunday at 6 o'clock in the morning to have a men uh, class where we can sharpen each other, and we can encourage each other, and we can speak about, uh, about our weaknesses, because we do have weaknesses. And uh, one, one of the brothers said, you know, it's interesting that when you're going to sin... There is that voice telling you it is wrong what you're going to do. And you know it. Right? Well, I'm glad it doesn't only happen to me. <laughs> but there is that voice that tells you, you know what you're about to do, it is wrong. Whether it's to eat a grape in the store that you haven't paid for, or to run away to a place that you shouldn't, or see something that you shouldn't see, or buy something you shouldn't buy. There is that voice. But when we speak about God, when I talk about God, I, I often comes to my mind His creation. Because that's one of the ways we can see that God is it's powerful. See, when you go to beautiful places like Stockton, or maybe further away when you go to uh, Yosemite, right? As soon as you drive in Yosemite, you see the beautiful park. And it's just so amazing how vast, how beautiful the creation is. When I was a, a young child, I was born in this tropical place where it is really humid and 
we do have banana trees and we do have a bunch of other fruit that we don't get the opportunity to have here. Uh, and I don't want to speak about them because you might want to move to my town and uh, it's not my intention. But when I, when I see God's creation, I see the beauty of His design, the beauty of His mind. Uh, and one of the things that I used to do when I was a little kid, I used to get a stick, and I used to get a bag, and I used to get holes throughout the, the bag with a string around it, and I put it on the stick, and I will do that to be able to close it you know, from a distance. So I had a long stick with a bag like that, and, and I will go off to ca- uh, catch butterflies. And I don't know if you like butterflies or not, but I always like butterflies. And uh, this past week, my daughters do homeschool. My wife is brave and a blessing, and she, she decided to stay home and be a homemaker and, and put her dreams aside for, to sacrifice for us. And I really highly appreciate that, uh, her, her desire to be a mommy. So uh, she got my daughter some cocoons. Or not, I'm sorry, not cocoons, but caterpillars. Right? She got some caterpillars and we bought this little container where you put them in and you see the process and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And then it's interesting that most women, if you see a, and men, some men, if you see a caterpillar walking on your table, you'll be grossed out, right? Or you'll scream, I don't know. I don't know what your reaction is, but we often do those things with caterpillars if we especially don't know that they turn into butterflies, right? We don't like, it's gross, it's, don't put that in your hand and then when they turn into a butterfly, you want to have it in your hand, you want to hold it and then they, you can't hold them, they just fly, right? I don't know if you know about Pacific Grove, it's a uh, coastal city in Monterey County, right? Well, this place, I've driven by and I've never had the chance to stay there when the the butterflies come in. The monarch butterfly comes into that town. They they even have a parade for to celebrate that the butterflies are are coming in, and they they do they do that every October since 1939. Uh, the people from Butterfly Town they even call it Butterfly Town. How cool is that? I don't know. There's people that collect butterflies. Do you do that? Any of you do that? No, well, there, there's people that do collect butterflies. When I was a little kid, in my house, inside of our house, you see, houses are different over there than they are over here. At night, I would see this big old moth. I thought it was a butterfly when I was a little kid, but it was huge. It looked like a bat. And I thought a Batman, but it was not Batman. And I would get scared because it was so huge, big. I want to say the size of my hand. And I'm used to see uh, moths so small here that they they are no threat to me right now. But over there they were big and and it was so cool. Anyway, it, it is so cool speaking about butterflies that I, that I can go on and on and on for hours. Butterflies are some interesting creatures, aren't they? And they vary in sizes. They say that there are some butterflies that can reach up to close to 12 inches in size. That's pretty big. Haven't seen any of those. They have so many different colors. And most species live only a week or two. Their life is so short, right? Uh, the monarch butterfly, on the other hand, they have a, a lifespan longer than 
regular butterflies. They can live eight to nine months or longer. Now, how these butterflies take a particular direction for migration, that is an unsolved mystery. Nobody knows how do they do it. How do they plan their trip? How is it that they start way north and they end up in Mexico and the mountains over there? And then they make, they make it back and then their grandkids do the same process. They just turning around, going back and forth. So, they travel around 2,500 miles. That's a lot. They rest there through the winter down south. And then complete their migration northwards in, in search of milkweed plants in the eastern United States. But something interesting is that no migration will be possible for any of these creatures if they did not go through a drastic change. It wouldn't be possible, it wouldn't be possible for them to make it all the way down south if they didn't go through a change. Can you imagine a caterpillar getting on the freeway trying to make it all the way to uh, uh, Mexico? That makes no sense. So they need to go through a process where they can speed up that pace so they can make it faster where they want to go. So they have to transform. They have to become something they were not. It is interesting how God in creation made someone like a caterpillar to be able to travel so many miles by being transformed. And you know where I'm going with this. We just read, if you want to open your Bibles, in the book of the letter from Paul to uh, the Romans, chapter 12. I'm reading from, from a revised standard version that I found in the lobby. So, my Bible is usually in Spanish. It says, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. There's something very interesting about this. God is requiring something from you to make a difference. You see, there wouldn't be butterflies if, if there was no caterpillar. So God wanted to use a caterpillar to make it into something cool. Something that flies. Something that kids could chase after. And they make up stories. Right? And probably collect them. So God transformed this caterpillar into something beautiful. And isn't it that our lives? It doesn't matter what's your background. If you put your trust in Christ, He will transform you. Definitely, He will. And He will give you a chance to be able to fly and go far distances without walking one step at a time. What do I mean by that? See, many of us are fearful of dying. I hope you're not. And don't get me wrong with this. We're all going to die. Alright, we're going to die. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews. 
It is stipulated for you and I to die. And then after that we're going to the judgment. Something interesting that we must remember as we are in the process of dying. Because we're dying already. We just don't feel it. But in the process of dying is that when we die we're going to face God. And we're going to be judged by God. And if we don't have our uh, lawyer, which is Christ, then we're, we're fried. We're done. But if we have Christ in our heart, then you know what? Just relax. Relax. Christ Christ is by your side. So, as we're moving forward, we know we're going to die. And many of us don't want to die. I was just told that uh, Brother Jim just wanted to be with the Lord. And that was one of the first persons that I got to, to go out on a mission trip. I don't, I don't know if you know that, but Brother Jim and Sister Estelle and I went on a mission trip. And that was really cool. And I was here in Stockton. They one day called me and said, Hey, there's a Hispanic family that we are getting close to and we need you to come over and speak to them. And I didn't know what I was doing, I didn't know the people, so I went into this small apartment and I talked to them and I shared the gospel with them. And I think the lady from the house made a profession of faith at the time. But that really impacted me how someone was interested in my people, Hispanic side and that was really cool. But those things only happen when Christ is actually working in your life. When Christ is changing your life, and that process of God changing your life won't happen from one day to another. It won't be as the caterpillar, right? That happens quick. But your life will take the rest of your life to be different. And God wants you to change as you are living. Every day, you have to make a purpose to change for the Lord. Don't live your life just thinking, I'm going to heaven. That's not the purpose of your salvation. God didn't, Christ didn't die for you, so you can go to heaven. Even though you're going to heaven. That was not the purpose of Christ dying for you on the cross. Understand that. Oh, how does that work? Well, if Christ died for you, so you could go to heaven, then how come you're not in heaven? You should be in heaven now if He died for you, right? Going to heaven is just a gift from God. He gave it to us. We're saved, therefore we're going to heaven by His grace. In the meanwhile, you're going to heaven. It's the purpose that God has called you to do. You need to be transformed. You need to be different. You need to change. People need to see in you Christ living. You see, our life don't really reflect Christ until we start and, uh, until we make Him our Lord and start to live the way He wants us to live. Brethren, we're going to heaven. That, that's not the debate. We're going to heaven. But that, that is not the main purpose why Christ died. Can you imagine? He died so I can go to heaven? Really? Then the Great Commission has, makes no sense. So we got to put our life in order. Christ died. What was the reason for Him dying? Well, He wants to transform your life. And as He's transforming your life, He wants to reach out to other people through your life. He wants, he wants you to be an example to other people. Many people, many people know, know you. And I don't think that happens with Berea, but it happens with, with me, with us. It might happen to Berea too. But there is people that says, well, that's the way I am, right? Really? Then something is wrong. Because God doesn't want you to be like that. 
He wants you to be different. So the first thing we have to do according to Romans chapter 12 verse 1 is to present our bodies. Do you see a difference in that caterpillar when it turns into a butterfly? I bet you do, right? I bet you do. And what happens when you see a, a, a butterfly? You often say, wow, that's a beautiful butterfly. Look at the colors. You don't, you, I don't think you say this, but you don't say, look at that caterpillar. How beautiful. It's, look at that. It's so cute. Have you ever said that? I don't think so. You're, if you say that, it's because something is wrong with you. Caterpillars are ugly. And that is us without Christ. We're ugly without Christ. Nobody says, man, look at Brother Roger. No, Brother John. Or anyone. Wow, without Christ, look how beautiful he is or she is. Reality is not. There's nothing good in us. No one can speak good about us without Christ. Because we might do something good. But I bet you there's a ton of things that we're doing wrong. So, there is a change, and the change begins by you surrendering your body in a living sacrifice. What does that mean? Well, when you surrender your body, it means, I am giving you, Lord, my body. I want you to make changes in my body. Many people believe that the change is going to be in the heart, and you can, you can, your body can do whatever you want. It's not, my friend. Your body is a temple of the Lord. Therefore, you have to present yourself the best you can to God. You see, we have that new thing going on and I deal with this with some of our kids in church wearing their pants right below their butt how cool is that gosh don't you like that no we don't no we don't there are times when I see them I want to come and just slap them and take off running but when Christ actually comes into your life he wants you to be different he wants you to change your appearance if you are resembling the Beatles, then he wants you to resemble Christ. Oh yeah, that's why I have the long hair. Who told you that Christ had long hair? Right? So what do we do? We, we transform. We change. We start to do things different the way he wants us to do. You see, the, the gospel, it is offensive. Because the gospel will come and make you look the way you are before it starts to change you. I had the opportunity this morning to speak to the women only from our church. There was three men. The rest are in Genesis Park. I had the opportunity to come flying this morning to be here in my church and you guys. But I, I, I talked to the women and I addressed the women on what is it the Lord, what is it that the Lord wants from you? When he make you the helper, the, the right helper, the perfect helper to your husband. See, there is a joke that says, well, the man is the, the, the head of the house, right? And then the woman says, but I am the neck. And that doesn't work that way. I wear the pants. You heard that one, right? But I tell him what color. It doesn't work that way. God made you to be the helper. And I address the women and I tell them, what I'm going to tell you, you're not going to like. Because if you liked it, then something is wrong with the preacher. (laughs) But what I'm going to tell you is the truth. And if you abide by the truth, then you're going to obey and you're going to change. You're going to make changes in your life, just like the caterpillar does. 
You're going to suffer. Yes, you are. You're not going to like the changes, but you must have those changes done in your appearance. We haven't even gone inside. Your appearance has to change. The way people look at you is how people judge you, right? And yeah, we say, well, I don't care what people say about me. Well, you should, right? Well, if you keep that mentality when you go to court, then you present yourself before the judge, wear your pants down here and go in flip-flops. And let's see what happens. Well, you, I don't care what people say about me. Really? Well, then, go ahead. Because people need to see our exterior, they need to see Christ. And, yeah, don't go to the extreme to wear a robe, right? That'd be funny. So, people have to see our behavior, that's where I'm getting to, that is changing. I used to do this, I do it no more. I used to dress like this, I do it no more. And why? What is the reason that you're different? It's because Christ is changing my life. I'm getting to understand what Christ is doing. You may not like me. (laughs) When we get into the Word and closer to the Word and when we start to live the Word. My daughter the other day my second one, she's five years old. And she said, Dad, I, I need to tell you something. And oh boy, I just started when she's 18 or 19, I'm like, oh gosh, what's coming? And she said, I, I need to tell you something, I feel so bad. And, and I said, what happened? And she goes, I'm embarrassed to tell you, Dad. I said, come on, just tell me, what, what can it be? You're five years old. <laughs> and then she started to cry. And I was like, what happened, baby? And you know, my mind started to fly like, did anyone touch you? Did it, you know, I was thinking all of those things. And I was like, I was so worried about her. And then she said, it's because it's my dream. So then I relaxed a little bit. So, and then she told me, I can tell you right now. I'll tell you later tonight. You know, how women are. So, uh, I was all day waiting for my daughter, my five-year-old Jasmine, to tell me what happened in her dream all day. So, at night, I said, okay, I'm going to take you and tell me what happened in your dreams. And she goes, Dad, you, we were at church, and you were playing with a teddy bear, and you didn't have a t-shirt on. I said, oh boy, <laughs> that is bad. <laughs> and then she said, and when I look in your back, you had a tattoo. And, and I said, really? And, and I said, yeah, and that's why I didn't want to tell you, I'm sorry, Dad, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I... And I just said, like, okay, baby, I don't have a tattoo. So I, I rested. But then I thought, where did she get that from? How does she know that tattoos are bad? I don't care what your opinion is about that. I care what the Bible's opinion is about that. That's what I care, okay? If you have a tattoo, do what a brother in Christ did in San Jose. He covered them. Because that does not reflect Christ. So, one of the brothers in our church, you might know him, he plays the guitar. He had a tattoo. And this is where my daughter got it from. And when he understood that the Bible says that you shouldn't mark your body, he actually paid to get it removed. He, he did it in the world. 
He was not a believer when he did that. And you know what? Sadly, we have so many Christians in the waiting room to get a tattoo because it's cool. Because it sets you apart. Now you have something to show off. Show off yourself transformed by, by Christ. Don't, don't call it art. It's not art. If you think it's art, put it on a canvas and sell it. But don't put it in your body. Your body is the temple of the Lord. It doesn't belong to you. It does not belong to you. So when my daughter tells me that, that reassured me that something is going right. Something is going right. So I told my uh, praising director about what happened with my daughter. And he he felt so good to know that he was being an impact to a little kid. To a little kid. So when the world says that there's changes in your life, you know they will become believers. You don't need to open your mouth. All you need to do is be different. And they will come up to you and say, why are you different? Hey man, you don't go to the bar with us no more. What happened? Or we don't smoke the funny thing together anymore. What happened? Or you don't talk the same way you used to talk. What happened? Or you don't treat your kids the way you used to treat them. What happened? How come you treat your wife differently? What happened? It's because Christ is in my heart. That's what happens. That's what happens. When Christ comes into your heart, He will start to change you. And if you're not changing something, it's wrong. If you feel uncomfortable, praise the Lord. Because God wants to change you. He loves you. He really does. He cares for you so much. That he sent his only son. Can you imagine that? I, I can't comprehend that. So it doesn't matter where you are standing right now in your life. Whether you are far away from the Lord. Whether you are doing the wrong thing. Thinking the wrong thing. It, whether you have tattoos or not. If you, you're in Christ, you're a new person. Okay, That's, that, pick, it, pick, pick it up from there. You know, I pick it up from there. Maybe there are certain things you can change about your past, but pick it up from there. Begin to be responsible from there on. Start to change from there on. Let Christ reflect His glory through you from that moment when you understood that He wanted you to be different. He wanted you to be like a butterfly, not like like a caterpillar. The Bible says, if Christ is in your heart, look what it says. If Christ is in your heart, he has started a job in your heart. Isn't that what Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says? It says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. God will complete it. He won't leave it halfway. If he is the one who has started the work in you, he will make it complete. With one purpose in mind, to glorify his name. He will make you different so you can say, what a beautiful butterfly. Thank God. He wants you to be different for that reason. If Christ has begun a good work in you, He will be faithful. Says in the translation in Spanish. He will be faithful. El Serafiel. He will be faithful. You know what faithful means? It means that He's going to stay there. He's going to be with you. He's going to make you go through the process. 
Even though when you feel like not making it through, He will still be there. Even when you go away like the people of Israel did so many times, He will still be faithful. That, that is just God and it's so beautiful. That regardless of me, He is still faithful. He will be there. So the first thing we must understand is that when you see a butterfly flying, you say, man, that butterfly went through a change. Right? When you see a Christian preaching the gospel and making disciples, don't stay halfway because that's, that is the main problem Christianity have done. All they do is preach the gospel and here we go. See what happens with you in 20 years. That's why this is a Christian nation, right? Because we preach the gospel so many times that nobody took the time to disciple that new believer. And now we have a big problem. And it's going to get worse before it gets any better. So my, my job and your job is to be transformed for the glory of God. And when you find someone that is seeing a difference in your life, share the gospel with that person. But you know what? It is your responsibility to stick with that person and disciple that person. And make sure that person will do the same thing. We'll find somebody else and we'll do the work. We'll learn from you. And we must learn from Christ. Because He will finish the work He has started in us. He won't leave us halfway. So God is so good to us. He loves you. He cares for you. But He wants to change you. He wants to make you a different person. He wants you to fly instead of crawl. He wants you to be beautiful instead of ugly. He wants, he wants for people to want to touch you. Instead of, Ew, that's a caterpillar, get it out of the table. He wants you to be something that people can admire. And when they ask you, you can say, oh, it's Christ is me. What, what can I say? Christ is changing me. You see, not only your inner appearance changes when you come to Christ. It, it starts in your heart. There's, there's a battle, but your outer appearance will change. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Do you know what it says? It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? You are new. He is a new creation. All things have passed away. So if you were picked, if you rebelled, you went to the world, you did bad things and you repented, you know what, pick it up from there. Move on from that point. God has forgiven you in Christ. God has given you another opportunity. Take advantage of it. But don't fail. Don't go, don't go away. Stay to the Lord and He will finish what He started with you. So therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new Christian. A new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But what does that mean? Well, it means that you're new. What do you do with new things? What do you do with a new car? Huh? Yeah, you take care of it, right? What, what do you do you do with a, a new pair of shoes? You don't go to the mud and look my shoes, look what I do with them. No, you you take care of them. Something we get off in our home that is new is babies. We get new babies. We have four so far. But we take care of them. 
right? It is my responsibility to take care of my new babies. So what happens when new babies come here? What are you going to do with them? You have to take care of them. It'll be responsible on your behalf. Having new babies and let the whole community take care of them. Well, that's what government says, right? Well, but don't do what the government says. You do what Christ says. You take care of those babies. It is your responsibility. You are a new creation. That word new, it's from the Greek word kainos. And which also means fresh. That sounds more like cool. It's, it's refreshing. You're a fresh person. It's a fresh start. You are fresh when you come to Christ. You are fresh. It's a new beginning. So now going back to that process of the butterfly. And that process is called metamorphosis. Right? Did I say it right? Cool. I practiced it all week. <laughs> so that is a process. And we find that word four times in the New Testament. Two are referred to the same occasion. When Christ, uh, when Christ came with his disciples, he picked some of his disciples and he transfigured himself before them. Well, he was changed. He was different. Okay? Those two times are referred for that in two different Gospels. The other one is in the book of uh, the book of Romans that we just read. We read chapter one, but I mean verse one, but verse two refers to that, and it says, "Let me read it again." Verse one, it says, "Therefore I urge brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice." So there is going to be a transition. There is going to be a change. You're going to be different. You cannot talk the same way you've been talking. You cannot have the same bad attitude. You have to be grateful. See, you need to grow spiritually. And growing spiritually doesn't mean you're getting older. You know what? There's old people that are babies still. Not here, but there are people out there. They still want milk. They don't, they don't like a T-bone. They want milk. You see, maturity doesn't come with the age. It comes with your resemblance of Christ. Isn't that what Galatians says? Right? The fruit of the Spirit. How much fruit do you show? Uh, in Spanish, when you're going to say something is ready to eat, we have the term green. You say, I don't think it makes any sense in English. If you say, oh, that uh, the watermelon is still green. It's going to be green forever. You know, the outside is green. But in Spanish, the idea is that it's not ready. It's not ready. So, it doesn't matter how long you, you leave that fruit there. If it's not green, the idea in Spanish is not ready. It reminds me of that cheese, right? That is not ready. Commercial. But what we do to get the fruit ready in Mexico is we get paper, a newspaper, and we wrap it, right? And we put it somewhere where it could be left for a while. And then later on, the next day is ready to eat. So, maturity comes with how much you're resembling Christ. That's maturity. It doesn't come with how long have you been in church. It doesn't come with how, how much do you read the Bible. It is good. It doesn't come with how many Bible verses you have memorized. You know what? All of those things are good and they will help you to be mature. But actually maturity comes to how much do you reflect Christ. That is maturity. How do you react when someone does something wrong to you? 
Do you, you explode? Nobody can tell me anything. See, in the Bible we find Jesus exploding. And you know why he exploded? Because they were going against God's will. Because what they were doing in the temple was not the intention for the temple. That's the reason why Christ showed his emotions at that moment. But he didn't show it when when, uh, Judas betrayed him. He he didn't say, Judas, you'll see, you'll see. I'm going to get you. I know there's a tree waiting for you. He didn't say any of those things. And then we find the, the first martyr of the church... Steve, Stevan, right? What did he say when he was going to get killed? Forgive them. My charity. So God wants you to be transformed. He wants you to change. He wants you to bring all of those ugly things in your life that people know you have them. And surrender them to, to Him. To be transformed. So Romans says that... We must offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. You know what a sacrifice is? Well, we speak about what the Bible teaches about sacrifice. It was bringing an animal and killing it and for the forgiving of sins. But when we talk about sacrifices, often I used to hear my brother and my sisters tell me, Hey, you want to eat this? I don't want it anymore. Oh, do you want this? I don't want it anymore. You know, sacrifice is giving something that you want, Right? That you care for. Because if you don't want it, you're not sacrificing anything. You're giving something that is actually in your way. Where do I get that from? I get it from God. What does John 3.16 says? Oh, God didn't want Jesus, so that's why He gave Him. No. For God to love the world that He gave His only begotten Son. His most precious thing He had. He gave he didn't give any leftovers. He didn't tell any of the angels, okay, you're going to go down there and you're going to die. No, he, he gave the best he had. He sacrificed himself in giving something. He treasured. God wants you to sacrifice yourself to Him as a living sacrifice. Don't torture yourself. Don't get a stick or a belt and hit yourself. Give in. Next time you have an argument with your spouse, give in. Bite your tongue. Say, you know what, I'm sorry, I'm going to try to change. You know what, you're right. Why don't we do it your way? Oh boy, if you're a man, if you do those things, my friend. (laughs) Why are you guys laughing anyways? God can do great things with us as we fall into His hands and we let Him transform us. He will do the work. He wants you to be transformed. He wants you to be different. That's in the appearance, in the inside. He wants you to change. God wants you to be uh, pure. Not poor. Pure. God wants you to be pure. That your thoughts are brought to the feet of Christ. Captive to His feet. That your ideas and your goals all fall into His will. That's what He wants. And He treasures someone as bad as David. And calls him someone according to God's own heart. Hey, you know David's story? Goodness. If he loved David. And you know the reason why he loved David? It's because David, he was so bad, but he had something on his favor. That his desire was to, to worship him with all he had. But he was, he, man, he was, he, God didn't let him build his temple. 
He said, no, you're not going to do it. Your son will do it. And didn't David say, it is, it is better to be in your house one day than a thousand elsewhere? God will honor and treasure when you change in the inside. And when you give God the honor, the place that He deserves. And to the man, what are some of the things that we must do? Pornography, get it out of your life. Get, you know what, that's idolatry. And besides, you are disrespecting your home and your wife and women and God's creation. And you are putting that out of the window saying, I don't care about you, God. What other thing can we actually do to change, to be different, to worship God the way you treat your, your spouse? See, you, you've been married so many years that you don't care how to talk to them no more? Really? Well, Peter says that we must treat you women as what? As a fragile vessel. I don't know if you like that show, The Road... Uh, you see where they have those uh, antiquities, antique, the, the antique show. You see, it is interesting. I have a few antiques in my house. They're worthless, but I think they're antiques. <laughs> so I, I noticed that these people come into these shows holding their pictures, right? And their vases and whatever they have. And they gave it to someone. And someone has got gloves, right? Gloves and a suit and, and maybe a small glass. And... When that person is given that vase, that person holds it with those hands with gloves. And it's very careful not to drop it. Can you imagine? Not to drop it. And the person goes through that vase and then he says, Oh, you know what? This vase is $10,000. Where did you get it? Oh, I bought it at the flea market. How much you pay for it? $3. Well, it is $10,000. What would you do if that was your case? Would you go back and put it in the garage where it was? I bet you, you wouldn't do that. You know what would you do? Or you either put it in a bank, or you put it in a beautiful display in the home. So everyone that comes will see that and say, wow, that's so precious. Well, man, God has given you something precious, treat it with care. Handle it with care, it doesn't matter how old it is. The older the better. It doesn't matter how old it is. But women... God has given you a man to be the head. Treat him with respect. Give him the honor that he deserves. Not because he's good, but because God gave him that title. We must be changed. We must be like the butterfly. Let me finish by reading this. Changing you, word to ponder. Just like the birthing of a butterfly... I am changing you. I am bringing you into alignment with my mind. We didn't get to read the second verse too late. But you can read it at home. I'm bringing you into alignment with my mind. With the mind of Christ. Your mind will and attitude will be transformed into the beauty of one who is meek. Of one who is meek. Of one who is gentle and humble. 
I shall thoroughly prepare you to be among the living blossoms of glory and spread nectar to the world around you. You shall emerge with the full wings of faith and be a source of vivid yet delicate beauty, displaying my glory and love. God wants to do that with you. God wants to change you and show you to the world this is how a Christian should be. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, remember, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. That is you. That is you. Tell the world, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Then, God will continue to change you until He takes you home. It will never stop until He takes you home. Then, you will be like Christ when you're in home. Amen. Thank you for the opportunity you gave me to be with you this, this morning.